Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jamie here. I'm so glad you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. So my prayer is that you too would experience His presence and hear His voice for yourself. Please enjoy today's message. come before you this morning. And uh, Lord, as your people, as your ambassadors, as those who have their feet on the ground but represent the King. And so in this place today, we come into agreement in prayer because we know, Lord, that you are for people and that your goodness, your salvation has been presented to the world, all nations. And so, Lord, I thank you that in the lifting up of Jesus, that he would be exalted, a banner Lord, a standard would be lifted up that people would know where to rally to. And so, Lord, we lift up the standard of Jesus in the midst of conflict, and we pray, God, in the nations for your peace. We pray for peace of Jerusalem. Lord, we pray for the peace of God, the the authority and the rule of heaven to have dominion in that place, the rule of heaven, and that your peace, Lord God, would calm hearts and minds and bring clarity to decisions that the will of God would be done, not man's will, not some demon's will, not some agenda or political means of world view, all that nonsense, Lord. We set it aside. We declare the Lordship of Jesus. Your will would prevail, God, in the midst of that conflict and that your peace would come and rest and you'd bring healing to hearts that have lost loved ones and let your mercy touch, Lord, all of mankind, God. Let your mercy touch other nations that have been offended and, and have, have been drawn into conflict, God. Let your, your mercy touch the offensive hearts that the bait of Satan would not be taken. The people would remain unhooked from this scheme of the devil. Thank you for that, Lord. And so we just agree for that this morning. And then we invite you, Jesus. We invite you, Holy Father. Would you minister in the midst of your people today? Holy Spirit of God, you have free reign. Come and speak and move among us today. We surrender to you. We invite you in. We hear your knock at the door, Jesus. Come on in. It's dinner time. Come on in. We open the door. We welcome you, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. And commit this time to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And anybody who agreed with all that said, Amen. 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 Uh, I want to pile on that announcement about Jamie Winship. Um, I have heard him speak a number of times, all on recorded situations, never been in person, but uh, man, the message that that guy is carrying right now is for sure from the Lord, and uh, there's an anointing on him right now, um, and so I, I, f- I feel like we're really early to the party. This, that thing is, there's a rocket ship attached to what what's going on with his ministry right now, and God's really, really moving powerfully, and so it's a great privilege actually for us to get to host him. And uh, so I, I do, I want to encourage you, if you are around next weekend, you should, you should really be here. It's going to be really powerful. All right, there you go. <clears throat> okay, you ready? Here we go. Um, I, I had the privilege of being with our youth on Friday night. They're at a retreat. And uh, so the, the whole youth group is, is at a retreat center in Wisconsin right now. And I got the opportunity to speak to them on Friday night. And I want to tell you, I, you know, the retreat's been going, and I was stepping into something that was already on its way. And uh, they, were, they were holding a little soaking time of worship before they had an official time of worship before we got into the Word. And so I walked into a room that already had, there, there were musicians playing, and it was just instrumental music, but the presence of God was so thick in that room. It was wonderful. God's presence just lingering. And I I walked into that space and there are kids prostrated on the floor before the Lord. There are ones with their hands lifted up. There's others weeping in God's presence. No worship songs going on, no sing-along, no leadership. Just God's presence ministering among them. All right? That's what's going on with your youth right now. We worship, it was powerful, and they gave a word and had some ministry at the end. When we had some ministry at the end, God began to touch individuals that the Lord was bringing deliverance and healing, moving really powerfully among them. Guys, your kids are on fire, and it's awesome. Okay? 
You have, you have awesome kids, but we get the privilege, our generation gets the privilege of handing the baton to those ones as they're rising up. We get the opportunity to help train them in the way they should go. It's you and I who get the privilege, the great privilege of ministering and sharing with them and teaching them and imparting to them. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, they're on fire and they are going to surpass us. And I cannot wait for that day as they do, okay? We're running, you know it, right? We're running along, they gotta, come on, I'm running, you better keep up. Right? You want that baton, come get it, come get you some. But they are. As we were praying and ministering, there were things that came to my heart and mind as I was talking to those youth that I haven't thought about for a while, but I'm gonna remind you of them this morning. It's our origin place. It's where the house church started. You know, the house church started in a living room with eight people. And we were just meeting in the midst of transition. Many of them were in some big transitions, okay? Just eight of us, four couples. All of us were in the midst of church turmoil in another place, painful decisions, difficulty. It was transition. And we just said, hey, let's get together. Let's pray. Let's worship. Let's seek the Lord. So we sought the Lord. And on that night, the Holy Spirit put it on my heart to share with them about a concept. It's called David's Tabernacle. David's Tent of Meeting. And there are some prophecies, some scriptures on the restoration of David's tent that are speaking to our generation. And so that night I shared about those things and God's presence gave birth to something. In our hearts, we realized that that was the assignment that God was giving us, that we were to create a place where people could pursue and be encountering the Lord, that we would center everything we do just around God's presence, that that's the reason we gathered, to be in his presence, to seek his face, the one thing that's worth pursuing. And that DNA is the reason why we have a church. It's that thing. It's, it's, it, it looks different now. You know, in the beginning, Saturday night services, man, we might go like four hours like, you just never know. Sunday morning's got some constraint to them, you know? I, I don't mind violating that every once in a while, and you guys pat me on the head, you know it. But say, I don't know if you say okay to it or you're deeply offended by it, either way. But, but we seek the Lord. In the midst of that, God gave birth to something, and this is the result. It's a place. It's physical, but it's a people who pursue his presence. It's the reason we're here to seek his face together. And when you seek his face, oh boy, everything changes. Everything changes. This is Amos chapter nine, verses 11 through 15. This is the passage of scripture I read on the very first night the house church met. And I'm gonna read it to you today because I believe the Lord is saying the same things to us right now that he did 17 years ago in a living room. This is Amos 9, verses 11 through 15. You got your Bibles, turn in your apps too. Please open your iPhones. We'll put it on the screen as well. Amos 9. In that day, I will raise up the fallen booth, the fallen tabernacle of David. I will wall up its breaches. I will also raise up its ruins and I will rebuild it as in the days of old. That word booth, tabernacle, tent, it's a picture of David's household. It's a reference to the feast of, of booths. Happens between the new year and the high day of sacrifice where atonement is made for the nation of Israel, the feast of booths. All of Israel is required to be there, and so they would go to Jerusalem and they would camp on the streets. They would live in tents. Even though there might be buildings, they would live in tents. And the whole nation was required to go. This is one of the three festivals you had to participate in. And so when it's talking about David's fallen tent, we're talking about David's household, what David stood for. His tent. By the way, all this stuff that you see in the nations kicked off during that time. David's tabernacle 
is a prophetic call to God's people. And the Lord has been saying it for a long time, but oh boy, is it becoming front and center right now because David sought the Lord as his solution. David was a military man, but his primary function was to seek the face of God. And out of that came strategy. David's fallen tabernacle is a picture of worship and presence. We'll get into that in just a second. But in that day, the verses before this, this chap, this book, Amos, I, I'd encourage you to read it, frankly, because it reads like the evening news right now. Chapter one lists off all the locations that you're seeing war right now. And in that chapter, it's talking about how God was bringing this kind of stuff to happen. It's listed off. Different strategic locations. Pretty amazing, actually. I want to say to you this morning that eschatology, the study of the end times, you've heard that word before, eschatology, your eschatological viewpoint, say that five times in a row, the viewpoint that you hold about what is to take place before the coming of Christ, what you think about that, that's your viewpoint. I don't have, personally, charts, and uh, I, I feel like for a long time people started trying to kind of plot their way through it. Oh, this is going to happen, and then that's going to happen, and this is that picture of that nation, and, and they come up with a big old chart to map out what's going to happen in the end times. You ever seen those things? Come on, left behind. Anybody read those books? Oh, come on. Who are you? They were nice novels, but please, they were novels. Your viewpoint of the end times. Can I say that prophecy is not about determining future? That is not the function of what prophetic words are for. When you get a prophetic word from somebody, it's, they're not determining your future. They are building you up. They are causing you to have momentum on your decisions and they are bringing comfort. That is what prophecy is. The Lord often will give the end point. He'll point towards what his heart's desire is, what he wants to take place and what is going to come to pass. He points towards the future. And then as prophecy in scripture, what you'll see is different signs Different marks of these events will take place. Signs are not things you aim at trying to accomplish. So if someone gives you a prophetic word and they go, oh, okay, and then this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Those are not things you try to accomplish. Don't do that. You'll end up in a lot of pain. A signpost, a sign from the Lord is that you are trying to just simply follow his presence. You're walking with God. And when something takes place, you'll know, oh, that is what God was talking about. It is an affirmation that you're on the right track. In the scriptures, we see prophetic ministry out of the prophets, and they're saying to you, there is, these are some signs. They're not saying, this is the way, and this is the order, and this is how it must take place. You got to let go of that stuff. Amen. I'm not sure if I'm talking to the right group of people this morning. Are you guys alive here? Okay. You got to let me know you're alive. Otherwise, yep. Okay. There, there. Okay, good. <laughs> There's a lot of shaking going on in the world right now. And it is affecting you. And it will affect you. So it might be good for us to have a game plan. And that game plan is the Tabernacle of David. Because in the tabernacle of David, there is a solution. Eschatology, study of the end times, trying to figure it all out. Please hold that stuff open-handedly. It's not the point is not to figure something out and be right about things. Eh, that isn't it. But when the Lord points at the end and he says, this is going to take place, the second coming to Christ, this is the result. This is what his heart's desire is. That's the thing to, take, to keep your heart locked on. And Amos paints this picture of what would take place in the future, and then he brings it home by saying, this is what's about to happen. And friends, 
we're in this moment. The Lord is doing this in our day. I'm gonna raise up the fallen tabernacle of David. I'm gonna wall up its breaches. I will also raise up its ruins and I'll rebuild it as in the days of old. That they, the household of David, which is you, we have been grafted in to David's tree. We're, we're grafted in to this root system. The root of Jesse would bear fruit, and, right? And it's Jesus, and we've been, we're in it. We're part of this. The household of David. That they would possess the remnant of Eden and all the nations of the world that are called by my name. Harvest. Nations coming to him. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper. That's good. You plant and it comes up right away. We're able to take it in right away. The treader of grapes, him who sows the seed, and the mountains will drip with sweet wine. The hills will be dissolved. You know, there's prophetic words about our generation that we would see a billion soul youth harvest. That, that is the young generation. It's the next generation. A billion soul youth harvest. That that will be connected to the restoration of David's tabernacle. That nations of the world would surrender to the lordship of Jesus as a result of what God did in David's tabernacle would unlock something in our day. Second part of this, I'll also restore the captivity of my people Israel and they'll rebuild the ruined cities and they'll live in them and they'll also plant vineyards and drink wine. They'll make gardens, they'll eat fruit. I'll plant them on their land and they will not again be rooted out from their land which I have given them, says the Lord. That took place on May 14th, 1948. The establishment of the nation of Israel. It was a God prophecy fulfilled in our generation. Now, you might not have been born then, right? I wasn't born then. My grandpa sure was, fought in that war. We are a part of a generation that saw the fulfillment of that, and we will also see the other, because it's happening in our day. All right, now, you should, you should look at your name and go, that's a good word right there. That, that one right there, that's good. We're seeing it. Harvest in our day, generations, young people, gonna come to Jesus, like that's good. Do you agree with me this is good? I don't know. I... Okay, all right, all right, all right. Tell your face, tell your face. What I wanna hone in today, I'm just gonna hit it, hit it quick is that in David's household, David managed crisis. He managed change and he managed transition in a specific way. And David was kind enough to outline that in Psalms 27. He lays it out exactly how David would manage crisis in his life. How when something comes, when circumstances do not help you make a decision. You ever been in this moment? Your circumstances aren't going to help you. You got option A. Wow. It's like, hey, here's my, what's happening, and then this is the result. It's going to be not great. Okay. Hmm. Option B. Wow. More bad news and not good option. And then the world says, which one are you going to do? Option A. Option B. Up to you. What are you going to do? You know, I have a friend right now, close friend, is battling cancer, has been in it now for several years. This last week, we were on the, we were on the phone on Saturday, and um, we were talking through this and, you know, praying with him. Um, they, the, the team of people that's working with him and treatment and all that, um, they, they said to him, listen, you have this option, and if you do this treatment, specific treatment, that it can add another two years to your life. But it takes a year, the treatment takes a year, and it's a bad time. So basically, it might work, and you might get an extra year of like, hey, life was okay. 
and that's the best thing we can offer you right now. This is his decision. Or you can say no to it and just play it out. Option A or option B. And oh, by the way, you have four days to decide. I don't know what your world looks like right now. I don't know what you're facing. But when your circumstances don't line up to a logical conclusion, what do you do? When it's not obvious what God wants you to do. You're facing decisions and it's not obvious what God wants you to do. What do you do? This is the question we're answering, and thank goodness that David went ahead and wrote it down for us of how David's tent, David's tabernacle, David's household would face it. This is Psalms 27. Would you go ahead and turn there with me? Psalms 27. I'm deeply encouraged by the ruffling of pages right now. (laughs) Psalms 27. I'm going to read the whole passage out for you, and, uh, and then we're going to just literally walk through it. Just hit it line by line, and, uh, and then I'll get you out of here. Uh, I'm going to tattle on myself a moment, okay? Sometimes when I'm turning my Bible up here, I'm, I'm trying to find the passage, and then I, but, but I don't get there in time. It's just kind of obvious to me, oh, this isn't going to work out. And so then I'll just look at my iPad and read it. But it looked like I got there. But look, 27, right there, okay? I'm actually reading it. Oh, yeah, there you go. All right. (laughs) The Lord, listen to this. Listen with your heart open this morning, okay? Just, Just open your heart and just listen as if God was giving you some instruction. The Lord is the light. He's my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. If an army encamps against me, my heart will not fear. If war rises against me, in spite of this, I will be confident. For one thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek that I could dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of God, to meditate in his temple. For on the day of trouble, he conceals me in his tabernacle. He will hide me in the secret place of the tent. He'll lift me up on a rock and now my head will be lifted above my enemies around me and I'll offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy I'll sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear when I cry with my voice. Be gracious to me, Lord, and answer me. You said to me, seek my face, David. And so in my heart, I said to you, I'll seek your face, Lord. So don't hide your face from me. And don't turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Don't abandon me or forsake me, God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Don't turn me over to the desire of my enemies, for false witnesses have risen against me, and the violent witness. I certainly have come to believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And here's his advice. So wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Yeah. Amen, let's go home. There you go. The Lord is the light and my salvation. is verse one. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom should I dread? Okay, have you ever had dread come on you? Dread, dread is like a blanket of conviction or condemnation that 
it's consequences. You, you, you come under dread because consequences are coming upon you and you have no power to do anything to change it. You're stuck. It's coming and you're going to go through it. People dread because you have no power to change your circumstances. And let me tell you, dread, when that experience comes upon you, the victory is when an authority brings deliverance. That's how you get out from under dread. Authority breaks the yoke, lets you out, you're scot-free, you do not have to go through those consequences. That's what happens. The deliverance from dread comes from authority. But now look at this. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. Light is revelation. Okay, it's your point of view. It's the stuff that you've come to believe. It's the information that's come to you. Okay, can I ask you something? Is it the evening news that you're getting your revelation from? Is it so-and-so.com? They're telling the truth. Those other people are lying. Where's your revelation coming from? Where is light coming from in your life? Is it the evening news or is it Jesus? Where is revelation coming to you? What is the story, that line that you're believing? Because it really matters where you're placing your trust on authority. Man, it used to be that you could kind of trust one certain, like, like, like you just knew there was one talking head or two talking heads that were going to at least give you the facts about stuff without a bias. And now it's just, where is the trust? You just can't. You don't feel trust. And you shouldn't feel trust because there's the slants and the biases. And as strongly as people try to cut through all the junk, we end up with stuff attached to it. The Lord is my light. That's what David was saying. I am getting my news from Jesus.com. And because of that, who should I fear? Because the Lord's the defense of my life. Ah. Hmm. The Lord's the defense of my life. He's my attorney. He's my judge. So dread can't come on me. Who's the Lord of your life? Who's defending your life? David said, the defense of my life is the Lord. What's yours? Is it your financial plan? Is that defending your life? I have confidence in facing the future because I have this many zeros in the bank. I hear a lot of people go, yep, I got zeros in the bank. That's me, yep. <laughs> What's the defense of your life? Okay, is it your supplement routine, your exercise routine? Is that the defense of your life? Oh, no. Listen, pastor, we only eat organic around here, so that means, okay, this is your plan? So when disease comes, your answer is going to be a better diet. I, I'm, not, I'm not beating up on it. I'm just saying, in the end, there has to be a point of view. Where are you getting revelation from? Where is your confidence coming from? Who is the defense of your life? What is it? Is it you? Because if it's you, man, that's really hard to get out from under dread. Because you need authority to get out from under dread and trust in that authority. So if it's a doctor and they give you bad news, what are you going to do? If it's your political party, if it's government you're trusting in, if it's policy and process that you're trusting in, then isn't it difficult when authority fails you? We, I, we, yeah? It's hard. And when disappointment comes, disappointment comes and offense comes and you're frustrated and you're angry. See, listen, the world right now is is experiencing this level of anxiety and uncertainty because all of our systems of trust are failing us right now because the Lord is shaking the world. And things that aren't directly rooted in him are falling apart. Every mountain of influence right now, your arts and entertainment, man, they've been on strike now for a year. 
You got no new programming coming to alleviate your entertainment needs. Oh, I just watch a television program if I'm stressed out. You go there, okay, well, it's not going to help you when dread comes. Okay, government, how's that going for you? Anybody disappointed and or frustrated? Okay. The health, the, the world of, of health, government, education. I mean, like name a place where that's secure. There's nothing secure right now. The world is shaking. Nationalistic identity. All right. Well, welcome World War III. What are you going to do then? Do you understand that the only safe place is by rooting yourself in heaven? It's the only safe place. That is what David did, and that is why it needs to be reestablished in the world. The Lord is my salvation. Verse 2, when evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh. Gross. My adversaries and my enemies, they all stumbled and fell. That is incredible. Those, uh, though a host encamped against me, my heart will not fear The war rose up against me. In spite of this, I'll be confident. Why, David? How can you be confident when these things have come against you? When circumstances do not point to a clear pathway? Well, because of this. One thing I asked from the Lord. That's what I'm seeking. The thing that I asked for, I am pursuing. That I can dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, to meditate in his temple, to be in his presence. For in the day of trouble, he conceals me in his tent. In the secret place of his tent, he hides me and he lifts me up on a rock. Look at David's situation here. This is just, I love it. It's amazing. What a point of view. A war breaks out around me. Right? My enemies are trying to devour my flesh, trying to destroy me. Everything's against me. It's not working out. It's evil. It's rose up against me. What do I do? David goes, I got the answer. It's a canvas tent. Let's just hide in there. <laughs> David's answer is to head over to Eddie Bauer and buy himself a little two, two-person pup tent and just hide out. And as long as God's presence is in there with him. It was his fortress. It was his fortress. Because when you come into God's presence, he puts you up on a rock. He gives you a different point of view. When you come into God's presence, he causes your enemies to stumble. When you connect with the Lord and you make the Lord your salvation, then then your problems become the Lord's problems. I don't know. Are they your problems or are they his problems? Listen, leading a church used to be really, really heavy, stressful for me, anxiety-filled, a lot of pressure, actually, in different seasons of life, until I figured something out. I figured out this, and you've heard me. If you ever come to an intro class where we talk through our, our church history, you'll know what I'm about to say. We would come to moments of transition where it's impossible, there's no way forward, we're stuck, And I would pray publicly. I would get the church together and I'd say, listen, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. But don't worry because God's the one that told us to do this. And so it's his problem. And so I need you not to carry the problem. I need you to help me come into agreement. We're just going to go, okay, God, you told us to do this. We're trying to do this best we can. You know, if we need to change something, then change it. Okay, good. But this is not our problem, this is yours. And so, Lord, please take care of your problem. Amen. (laughs) And wouldn't you know, don't you know, every single time, every single time, a divine solution would come. In the tent of meeting. See, David's tabernacle is not just a pup tent with God's presence in it. David saw when the Ark of the Covenant, okay, the word Ark means box, of the covenant, they put the Mosaic Covenant, the law, in the box. Now, it was a pretty box covered in gold, okay, but that's the Ark of the Covenant. It's a box with the covenant in it. You got it? 
They inlaid it with gold and then they put a lid on it and the lid was called the mercy seat. And on top of the mercy seat, they had these little statues of cherubim, winged angels, towards each other with their wings stretched out. And this place is where they would make atonement for the nation of Israel. They would come into the presence of the Lord. They would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat between the cherubim. That location is where it says that God would speak to people from. That God's presence would literally manifest between the cherubim, over the mercy seat, over the Ark of the Covenant. And so... The Ark of the Covenant is brought to war. It gets taken by the enemy, and eventually it ends up in a farm in the countryside at Ob de Edom's house. And Ob de Edom suddenly shows up on the, the, the S&P 500. His household is so stinking blessed that the king takes notice, like, whoa. What is going on over there that that dude is that blessed? And David gets jealous. And he goes, uh-uh, that thing is going to be in my backyard, not your backyard. <laughs> and so he goes and he gets it. And there's a process to that. I'm not talking about that right now. David brings it into Jerusalem and he puts it in his backyard. And David's backyard is a little hill called Mount Zion. Okay? And the ark is just sitting in his backyard and he goes, uh, we need a tent. So he puts a tent over the Ark of the Covenant. And now God's presence is in a tent. And David hires, he sees prophetically that worship is to be around the throne 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so David says, I am going to create the same atmospheric conditions as heaven and do it here on earth. So God's presence is there. And David hires musicians and singers and poets and they minister to the Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it lasts 40 years. That is David's tabernacle. And that was fulfilled when Christ redeemed your life and made you the temple. And the Holy Spirit now dwells within you, the tabernacle. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Your life is to be an example of worship and walking with Jesus. This is, you are the restoration of David's tabernacle. And we as a community are called to take what is interior and bring it out and make it exterior. You alive right now? Okay. So much more of that. I can't get into that. Quit asking me questions, okay? This tent offers no physical protection for David, right? But David's got it in his mind that all I need to do is make it into God's presence and suddenly all situations get reversed. Because when you come into God's presence, he causes your enemies to stumble. When you seek the kingdom first, when you seek him first, everything else gets added to you. God sets you up on a mountaintop, on a rock, he lifts your head in the presence of your enemies. This thing, lifting the head, it's like you're downcast because you know you screwed up. Or you could have done something different and it would have turned out better. And, and so you feel guilt, or you feel shame, and so you're downcast. Things aren't working out. Dread is over you. And it says that God lifts your head. He takes the shameful face and he lifts your countenance so that you're looking at him face to face. God says to David, David, here's the answer. I want you to seek my face. This is my command to you. David, seek my face. And then David's heart responds, okay, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. I'll make this the priority. I'll seek your face first. And when he does, that's where solutions come. That's where solutions come. Friends, the solution to war is David's fallen tabernacle. The solution, the solution to divorce is, is your face not hung in shame, but looking at the Father. Your solution to a family falling apart is that you get to get face to face with God. You have to stop with all your hiding. 
See, to become face-to-face -face with God is to let go of all your ambitions and the stuff that you're fighting for. Like, this is my assignment, I'm gonna do it. It's, it's the idea that you have to accomplish it, but see, didn't you get you into the trouble? Okay, your, your humility in this moment of letting go of you to just seek the Lord. Your answer is in the face-to-face -face conversation and God will not let you come in hiding. Amen. I have a, uh, I have a friend. Um, maybe some of you know this about me. I was, I was in the United States Air Force from 1997 to 2003. Okay, I served for six years. And during that time, the world changed. 9-11 took place. Young people, we were, there was an attack. I mean, you will know from just kind of thinking historically, which is so strange to say, I know that for the adults in the room. But, but for a young person that didn't go through it, you just, it's so difficult to understand. I was stationed overseas. And during my time in the military, I served, for the vast majority of my time, I served special operations units. I was a part of special operations. Okay, every one of my assignments were attached to these tactical teams that actually went to war every month. We were out there in it. Now, my job was to fix the stuff that they would break. Okay, so I was the geek with the pocket protector. All right? And I'm so grateful that the Lord didn't put me in situations where I had to pull triggers. I'm so thankful for that. Right? But I had friends that did. And so 9-11 kicks off, and I was, all, I'm telling you, we were watching it on TV. We were watching it on the internet at the same time packing a pallet of gear because orders that were already coming down were heading into Afghanistan. Okay, that was my life for a season. I had friends die. We had, was, was a time of trouble if you were in my situation. Okay, it was just Always transition, always something going on. Whether you agree with the United States or not and how they have gone through all this stuff, it doesn't matter. In 9-11 took place, everyone was united under this front. We have to go after those who attacked us. That was the position that the United States took. And so we're finding ourselves in this situation and, you know, I, I because of the grace of God, I really believe it was because of the grace of God, was, had to remain back during some of these things. I had a friend who was a commander of a special operations unit, and we put a unit together, when, and they're going to go into a conflict situation. It will be a mixture of different branches of service. And so the Air Force would always provide uh, like a combat controller, somebody who can call in airstrikes and someone who could control the air over a combat situation in a special type of way. So they would attach two of those guys to a Delta Force unit, Army Delta Force, their top-tier guys, and it would be led by a commander. Well, my friend was the commander. We went to church together. We were having dinner one night at one of the pastor's houses, and he's telling this story, and he said he'd just gotten back. He said, my assignment over there was to work with the warlords to try to bring people into connection. So could we, could we have Afghanis? Could we have people actually fighting the Taliban? Could we have a group of people that would be united in front, even though we're in different backgrounds, to go after the same enemy? And his job was to kind of bring people together and to see if they would work with us. And so he said, Jamie... He said, I, I was on an assignment. We had just got done talking to a group of people and then we were taking a break and we had gone to this. We found an empty house in the middle of nowhere. It's not attached to a city or a town. We found an empty house where we could rest in. So just think like a gutted sort of, you know, clay hut type thing, okay? And we were resting in there when we heard the roar of engines begin to come towards us. And suddenly we were facing one of these warlords who was on the fence with a whole bunch of people following him. And they surrounded their little hut and they were there to kill the Americans and take their gear. 
They knew in that moment, my friend knew, he said, I knew we're dead. We had no options. There's nothing that we can do. It's too late to call something in. We're far enough away. We're all on our own. We're not going to make this thing. He knew we're going to die. But see, my friend's a spirit-filled believer, and he understands that seeking the face of the Lord matters. True story. In that moment of crisis, they surrounded them. They know they're going to die. My friend went, okay, Lord, I'm seeking you right now. My life belongs to you, whether I live, whether I die. That's, my life belongs to you. You purchased me. And so Jesus, what do you want me to do? And in that moment, a holy boldness came upon him. The spirit filled him and a boldness came upon him. And he set his gun down and he walked straight out the house directly at that warlord. Yelling at him, what do you think you're doing? Are you trying to get your men killed today? Don't you understand what you are doing right now? You will die today, is what he's like. Rah. Although the enemy would say something opposite of the Lord, when you raise up that banner, you declare what God's saying to you. Okay, you got to catch this situation. Because when fear touches a person and circumstance is bad, I don't know if you've realized this. I'm sure you've experienced it. But when somebody is in fear and they talk to you about their fears, it comes upon you. They talk to you about something that happened and suddenly you are experiencing the emotions of it. You attach yourself to it. Um, This is social media. Why do you forward bad news to somebody? Because it might happen to you. See, when fear, the spirit of fear, it's a spirit. Okay, when, when fear is upon a person, it can be spread like wildfire over a people. It's a dominating type thing. And when you're in a place of dread and fear, it's suffocating to people. It's like news from the doctor that you have no choice. What's my friend going to do? Take the treatment and die a little later. Don't take the treatment and die sooner. Is there another option here, Lord? This commander rose up in holy boldness and walks out, catch this, under the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is the submission to heavenly authority. It's the way out of dread. It's the way you break the back of fear coming against you. It is to submit to the fear of the Lord. It's that you are serving a God who is in charge and that your submission to him is the only thing that matters. And that so it doesn't matter if they kill your body, if they destroy your home, there's nothing they can do against you because you are serving the Lord. So though persecution may come, though people talk bad about you, though an army encamp around you, if you will come and submit to Jesus, the fear of the Lord will break off the fear of man And let me tell you, the way that man's fear can spread, the fear of the Lord is something. See, the fear of the Lord comes on a little group, right, led by Jonathan, and then it spreads to the entire encampment of the Philistines. They start killing each other because they're trying to get out of there. That's this. Fear of the Lord upon him gets out and touches this warlord. What do you think they did? They went, whoop, little pucker. Let's get out of here. And they circled up and took off. So many stories like that. That has nothing to do with politics and nothing to do with agendas. It's talking about people who are the tabernacle of David choosing to submit to the Lord. My friend, I don't know what you're facing, but I do know what your answer is. It is to seek his face. It is in the seeking of his face that you find solution. It is in the seeking of his face that your perspective changes, that deliverance comes. Everything changes when we come into his presence. 
when you get honest with yourself and you actually cry out to the Lord. You got to let go of the false narratives, the excuses you tell yourself, the reasons why you did something. All of that's nonsense. Let it go. Seek his face and watch as God moves on your behalf. It's the solution the world is facing right now. It is what the next generation is desperate for. When it takes place, as people touch the Lord's presence, everything they were carrying gets undone, and God moves so powerfully. The Lord is my salvation. He is my light. Whom should I dread? I'm going to read a prophetic declaration over you this morning. This is something I I wrote down during worship the last service. I really felt strongly about it. I, I just want you to receive right now, okay? There are, there's like six sort of separate words there. I want you just to sit back for a moment, kind of have your hands open, just like in that posture of receiving. Unless I offended you already, you're already mad and checked out, okay? In which case, if you'll just seek the fear of the Lord right now, the Holy Spirit will move mightily, okay? But, but just for a moment, and what I'm asking you to do is as I'm declaring these prophetic declarations, if, you, if, if something in you goes, ooh, that's me, I just want you to take your hand and put it on your heart. Like, Lord, it's a yes for me. Amen. God, so be it unto me. So let's just, let's receive. And then if the Lord speaks to you, then just put your hand on your heart, okay? Holy Spirit, would you move and do what only you can do this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is releasing favor on your life. And that favor is causing the grip of the pursuit of earthly treasure to lessen. Greed is fading away. The trust in physical resources, like my money is my fortress, That stuff is fading away, and it's as God's favor is coming on your life. Okay, so if you're somebody, you know you've been pursuing money. The bottom line is what you've been after. I'm building my business because I'm trying to become a bazillionaire, okay? In the kingdom, God's favor can move you from zero to a bazillion overnight. It won't be as your power tries to create that. If greed has taken hold of you and you're like tied up in that stuff of I need to make some money, I need to get after this, that achievement thing, if that's you, the Lord is saying to you, my favor is towards you, my countenance is towards you. Son, daughter, let go of the shovel, let go of the work, let go of your efforts for a moment and just lift your face and let me shine upon you and everything will change. If that's you, just put a hand on your own heart this morning. The second one is this. I see the Lord raising you up and putting you on that rock like David to give you a fresh perspective. And that fresh perspective is bringing deliverance from learning lessons the hard way. Okay, if you're somebody that for some reason you always got to learn lessons the hard way. In other words, it always hurts. You got lots of lumps on your head because for some reason, listening and hearing what others have gone through and then making adjustments to your life just doesn't work. You got to kind of mess things up and then you learn a lesson. If that's you, okay, the Lord is wanting to give you a fresh perspective this morning. So that's you. Like, if you're like me, okay, I have lots of lumps on my head, right? Lots. It's from having to learn lessons the hard way. And so, Lord, we just received this morning that you're giving us a fresh perspective. That you're saying to us, we don't have to use pain as the teacher. That we can change through revelation. Thank you, Jesus. I saw this one. This one's going to touch lots of you. Those of you who are parents. Your moms and dads. I saw that God giving a grace like he was breathing on the family 
and impartation of God's ways was coming through you and was training up a child in the way they should go. And in their later years, they will not depart from the way. I saw that process taking place. And, and some of us, you, you've, already, you've already done parenting, and if you look backwards, you feel a little guilty about it because you don't feel like you did a good job. Be released from that today. If you will align your heart and anchor your face towards the Lord, God's grace will come upon you, and that thing will flow through you and touch the generations. You just got to get out of the way. <laughs> you got to get honest with this thing. God wants to release grace. And this grace will touch the prodigal son, the daughter who's run away, the son who has run away. The Lord is wanting to redeem family lines. If that's you today, put a hand on your own heart. I saw generosity as a weapon. It was awesome. Let me tell you, generosity is, is like a broadsword that destroys injustice. I don't know if I ever saw this before until I saw this today, like this understanding, but I saw how generosity of God's people towards those who are suffering injustice helps them get unlocked from their bitterness and pain and helps them to rise up. It was a work of God and that generosity works through his people and so it requires you and I to let go of control and to be willing to sow into lives even if they don't deserve it. But the promise of the Lord was this, that what you sow will return to you on the increase. So your generosity is gonna break people out of injustice and it's gonna be a blessing to you. Amen, Lord, so be it to us. Two more things. The first one is this. You are not to tolerate the voice of the scoffer in your life. You are not to tolerate the voice of the scoffer, the one who mocks the ways of God. That voice is to be silenced on your inner circle. The world can do that and whatever. But when it's on the inner circle and it influences your heart, that's a voice that needs to be quiet in Jesus' name. You have been given authority to silence the voice of the enemy. It's not that person that's your enemy. It's the spirit behind it. So Lord, those who have been suffering from this in Jesus' name, we command that voice of the scoffer to be quiet. The Lord rebuke you. You have no authority here. Is there an amen on that one? And lastly, I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to release a blessing over you, but I want you to stand to your feet for this last prophetic word, okay? This one is for all of us. It matters so much. Each one of us are called into this. There's a prophecy in the scripture that talks about God guiding you. And it says, there will be a voice from behind that will say, this is the way, therefore walk in it. The voice from behind is not just the whisper of the Holy Spirit in your ear. The voice from behind is that God spoke in a previous generation. And if you will listen to what God has already said, you'll know what to do right now. Remember. Would you put a hand on your heart if you haven't so far? Listen, this one's for you. Remember what God has done. Remember. Remember the works of the Lord and what he's done in previous generations. Remember. Remind yourself. Build up your faith. Build yourself up. Remember the works of the Lord, the testimonies of his goodness. Remember them because he is faithful and he is about to do again what he did previously.
previously. He is about to do it again, what he has done in previous generations. And so raise up your expectations. The glory trains are coming and it is not slowing down. So you and I cannot be apathetic towards this. We must grab hold and move forward. Seek the face of the Lord. Your solution is found there. Father, I thank you for your people this morning. And I bless them, God, with all my heart today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord's graciousness be upon you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be the defense of your life. May his face and his countenance be lifted up upon you. May you lift up your face, see him face to face so that his goodness can shine in your life. And the peace of God, the shalom of heaven, the peace of God, the shalom of heaven be upon God's people, all of them. That God's kingdom and the prince of peace, the rulership of peace would be advanced in the world. God, we decree this today, and I bless your people in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you dared to come into agreement with that, he said, amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today? Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It's our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or share it with friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love to connect you with our community please visit us at ithehouse.org for more information. We'll see you next week.